G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Perhaps it has always been the case that some children find the world more scary or more dangerous than others. But with reports of anxiety on the rise, it may be more important than ever to recognise the critical role that we as parents have in building resilience into our children. We might ask, what is normal anxiety and what should I be concerned about? The skills that our kids learn from their youngest years help to equip them for life. Now, there is a new book just released that helps parents reduce anxiety in children. Building further connections between parent and child and nurturing a deepening presence of a loving Heavenly Father. Shauna Gallagher has brought biblical principles together with relaxation exercises in her new book called Take a Big Breath, Teaching Your Child Practical Strategies to Help in Times of Stress. Shauna is a mental health nurse. She's a group facilitator in the workplace. She leads special events and workshops, helping others understand better mental health and a closer walk with God. Shauna Gallagher, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. Shauna, let's talk about your book for a few moments here because you're talking about practical things that parents can do when they know they've got a child who is anxious. Give us some insights into what brought about this idea of putting these things down so that parents can understand the things that you teach. Okay, well, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> well, you can take as far back as you like. But, uh, but yeah, so your book, it's uh, you've connected biblical values with relaxation exercises. Absolutely. So in the workplace, I facilitate groups, and one of those groups is to uh, do relaxation exercises with the clients. Um, this is in an adult facility. And as I was doing them, I was getting quite frustrated that I couldn't bring in the God context. And I thought, oh, maybe I should write a book or something like along those lines or website, just something, something um, as a resource for Christians. And then within a month or two of thinking about that, our um, daughter informed us she was having our first grandchild. Um, and he's now two and two months. So Congratulations. Along. Thank Wonderful. You. And uh, then that got me thinking, well, what resources are there out there for Christian parents if their children are anxious because anxiety in children is on the rise as well? And that got me thinking about doing the children's book. Well, you know what? When you start to share that when you're in some contexts, and you are held back from sharing a biblical foundation, a faith foundation to how you actually tackle issues like anxiety, it just makes me cringe a little bit because so many people who are not able to hear that faith content are missing out on the timeless wisdom of God about how we deal with issues of anxiety. Absolutely, and it, that's really frustrating when you're there and you want to say something. 
Um, admittedly, not everybody would want to hear it, but there's people there that would or would be happy to hear another angle um, on their life. <laughs> now, take us back to your childhood years because in your own family, you had all sorts of issues that you were uh, uh, addressing as uh, as a family when you were a teenager. Take us back to those times because you were right there in the middle of this sort of context when we talk about anxiety. That's right. So um, growing up, I had a very loving family, supportive family, you know, just a, a normal everyday kind of family for the day, I guess you'd say. Um, uh, but when I was 15, that's when all this uh, mental health stuff started, when um, one of my brothers became unwell and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So that was a journey and a half, that's for sure. Wow, yeah. And as a teenager, you don't know what to uh, make of all of that either. Um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't fun, that's for, that's for sure. Um, but 10 years later, uh, when I was pregnant with our second child, uh, my second brother, well, he was the older one actually, he became unwell as well and was diagnosed with schizophrenia also. And I imagine it's pretty common that in a lot of families that there's a family member, might be a sibling, it could be a parent, it could be those nephews and nieces who all of a sudden you discover that, oh, there is a mental health issue here. And sometimes that, you know, runs in the family. Other times there might be triggers for that. But this is something that's so common in so many families today. Absolutely. And one of the contributing factors to mental health issues is hereditary. So there is that genetic component. Um, when I talk about it at work, we talk about it being nature and nurture. So there's the DNA. I mean, yes, in my family there are quite a lot of um, people, you know, from cousins to second cousins and aunts, uncles, you know, the whole range of relationships that have mental health issues of sorts, not necessarily diagnosed either, but certainly are there. And um, then there's the nature part, uh, nurture part, sorry, where... Naturally, if you think about it, if you've got, uh, as a child, if you've got a parent who's uh, caring for you and they have an anxious persona, um, the way they react to things are the way you're going to learn to react to things as well. And so that doesn't necessarily mean 100% that's going to happen. But. but I imagine this is one of those practical things, and we're going to talk practical things today because uh, you might like to let us in here on the difference between what a mental health nurse does and, say, someone who might be a psychologist uh, who deals with, you know, understanding some of those behaviours and patterns and thinking and those sorts of things. What sort of things does a mental health nurse bring to this sort of practical approach to how you actually deal with these things? So in my role working in a mental health unit on a ward, uh, we are dealing with the things that are happening currently for the for the client, for the patient, and helping them to um, work through those things. Obviously, we're also giving out medications in that sort of setting. Um, but, yeah, so we're talking with them, doing the practical strategies. Um, in my situation, I'm facilitating the group education with them about different things that they can do. Whereas a psychologist, on the other hand, whilst they know this sort of stuff too, um, but they also delve deeper and can look at um, how emotions and environment and all of that are connecting together and sorted out that way as well. 
Now, let me uh, just ask you, and you might correct me if my facts are wrong here, but there's some suggestion that as many as one in five children uh, may actually be uh, suffering from issues to do with anxiety. Uh, Is that something you're across, uh, just how prevalent this is? Yeah, the statistic that I have is that um, 6.9% of children aged 4 to 17 are actually diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So that's just diagnosed, not the ones who have maybe don't need a diagnosis but suffer anxiety anyway. And those kids, sometimes they're disruptive and badly behaved and sometimes they're under the radar because they're actually uh, quite uh, well-behaved children, uh, quiet children. So how do you tell what the situation might be in your family? How can you tell if, uh, well, I've got kids who have got some anxiety issues here. Is there some way we can do some sort of a self-assessment on our family and say, uh, I wonder if my kids need extra special care? Yep. So one of the things to remember, I'll point out first, is that anxiety is normal. It's designed in us for our safety, for protection. To You know, if there's a runaway car coming around the corner and you go to step off the footpath, anxiety kicks in and you just react and jump back. So that's when it's normal and it's your friend and it's helpful and it's not scary. You don't realise till after the event that, that it's all taken place. So when we talk about this uh, issue where it becomes a real uh, concern, uh, it's where there's like a disproportionate fear, a disproportionate, uh, uh, you know, idea that uh, this is so dangerous uh, when, in fact, as parents, we've grown up and we thought, oh, that's a normal activity. But when children think that that's actually a dangerous thing to be doing and they are very fearful of it, that might be an indicator. Yes, absolutely. So... When um, your child feels, it seems they're more anxious than other children their age, for example, or their fears are out of proportion to life um, and or not able to do things that their peers do. Another sure sign is that if your child is waking up, say they're a school-age child and very often they're sick, like they've got a sick, sick in the tummy and they can't go to school. I mean, the first time or two that happens, you're not going to think anything and I wouldn't think anything. But if it's an ongoing concern, then it's probably a good time to check in and see if there's anxiety involved because nausea is one of the symptoms of anxiety. So, Shauna, when we talk about uh, when our children have normal anxiety, uh, you know, general fears that they'll probably grow out of or uh, with a little nurture, they'll be into there and uh, boots and all, they're getting involved. Uh, When we talk about these sorts of issues and uh, the way that we might nurture our children when we recognise there's something a little bit deeper there, uh, what do you do? Do you sort of, okay, I've got got a problem here. Do I race off to a psychologist? Do I race off to a doctor? Uh, uh, Or should I just take stock here and uh, maybe start talking about this with other family members? Uh, Because obviously that old saying that takes a village to raise a child, there might be some wisdom in a group when it comes to how we get our children to really blossom. Absolutely. I think the first port of call is just simply to talk to your child um, and try and get them to express what's going on. Now, obviously in children, they're not going to be able to tell you, I'm feeling anxious. Um, So that's about the uh, questions you ask them and, you know, where are you feeling sick? Is there other parts of you feeling sick, you know, have you got a headache? Are your muscles really sore, like a tight neck, for example? Um, Question them first. 
and just really see what's going on. It might be something that can quickly resolve because they've just had an incident at school a week ago that you weren't aware of and in the last week they haven't wanted to go to school every day and it might be very simple for you to sort. So just start with asking them first. What about some common scenarios? Uh, Supposing it's a child and they've been bullied at school. Uh, They're afraid to go to school because there's a bully either on the way to school or when they're at school or... Uh, if it might be an exam for an older child uh, and they're just absolutely petrified of, of facing an exam, what other sort of common scenarios might there be that parents might look look for and uh, notice that there might be something deeper that needs some attention? Well, with something like exams, it naturally we all can get anxious in exams. I know at university it was like, oh, you know. So there's the some normal goes, anxiety in that. Yeah, and, absolute yeah. normal anxiety. When you would think that wasn't normal was when they can't seem to get themselves to the exam, say they're older and you know won't go in for the exam when there's extreme reactions to it. Um, one of the good things to do in that situation or in any situation like with exams is just to say, yeah, I remember feeling really nervous about exams too. If you normalise it, it's not so scary. If you say, don't be silly, no one else is going to be scared or, you know, it, it makes them feel odd then. And what's wrong with me? Is anxiety in children on the rise? And, you know, can we blame that on any particular thing that might be happening? Like, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the exposure that children have to social media or some of the violent video games they might be watching or some of the uh, television programs that actually uh, we would have been uh, petrified perhaps as teenagers, but now this is like commonplace, but some kids are really affected in a significant way. Uh, is it really on the rise in a significant way? And are there any particular causes that people identify? Well, even just looking back to our own childhood, there weren't a lot of things to feel anxious about. But today it does seem to be on the rise. Statistics are showing that, um, that it is on the rise, and you hear a lot from teachers and that how anxious the children are and they're very stressed when they get to school and all this sort of thing. So um, apart from the genetics type hereditary thing going on, um, there's a lot of stressors in life today that kids didn't experience when we were younger, I think, uh, partly because of the busyness of life. We lead such hectic lives and I think as adults we all would say that we just lead crazy busy lives. Um, and with the culture as it is, where often two incomes are needed, so two parents are out working, kids are getting dropped, say, to daycare or before school care, before they get to school, they get to school, they've already had, you know, a Barney with a child at at, at daycare or, or such, get to school, they're already anxious and then they forgot their reading books and now they're in trouble with the teacher. You know, it all just piles up and because it starts off, a very stressful day in the first place. Now, we're going to unpack some practical strategies and uh, things like breathing exercises. Uh, what other practical things? And w- just to, to mention these now, because we'll open our talkback lines shortly, and there might be listeners who have their own scenario. And, uh, you know, with that question, Shauna, how would I deal with this scenario? And I want to invite listeners uh, to give us a call. Our talkback lines open on one eight hundred three sixteen. 
1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. You might have your own scenario. You might have your own insights into how you've helped to, to deal with those situations when your child has been facing this uh, challenge of anxiety. Or you might have been through this yourself. You might have your own story to tell. You'll be welcome to share that. 1-800-316-316. You can also leave a note on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. So, so Shauna, you've got breathing exercises. What other sort of, just briefly, what other sort of strategies ought we be thinking about? So a lot of it does come back to breathing in one way or another because um, when we are anxious, our breathing becomes shallow and quicker. So we're not breathing properly. And that's one of the signals to the body as well um, that, well, your breathing starts to get quicker and shorter, shallower because you're anxious but because you're also breathing shallower and quicker the body keeps going in that cycle and, and working itself up. So to learn to breathe is a way of signaling to the body and the brain, oh, things are calming down. Even if it's not, by breathing, we are getting the body to calm down. Uh, so a lot of this dealing with anxiety starts with the breathing because it's when you get the calm situation, then you can talk through what's worrying your child. It takes a big family to keep vision on the air across Australia. Individuals, churches and businesses. One of them can fix your broken electrical machinery. Holman Electrical Services, Bunbury WA. Find them on Facebook. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Really practical things you can do today when you have this issue of anxiety rearing its head in your family with your children. Our special guest this hour is Shauna Gallagher. Shauna's written a book called Take a Big Breath, Teaching Your Child Practical Strategies to Help in Times of Stress. Talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Caroline is on the line from Albany in WA. Hello, Caroline. Welcome along. Carolyn, what's your thoughts for uh, our conversation today or do you have a question for our guest? No, I have more of a statement and just I'm a teacher and I'm a pastoral care coordinator at my school that I teach at and um, last week I was at a conference with Greg Mitchell who looks at anxiety in students and how we can help them but one of the main things that really jumped out at me was in 2010 when more children started to have mobile phones and devices there was a double in teen suicide, so 10 to 14-year-olds, and also a huge increase in anxiety. So I think a tip that, as a teacher, I would have is parents just have to be so vigilant with mobile phones and iPads. Just It, it really it causes such stress in their lives, and it's making sure they've got that downtime. So I, I was wondering, is there any comment or discussion that's going to be had on phones during this um this morning's talk. Good thoughts there, Carolyn. What are your thoughts here, Shauna? Well, that's interesting because so much is um, out there questioning the 5G, um, you know, telco stuff coming in currently and how much Wi-Fi and that can contribute to anxiety and mental health issues like that. I'm not saying it does or it doesn't, but I'm just saying there's talk about it out there. And so that would really make sense, Caroline, with what you're saying. Caroline, it's really important. Oh, sorry. Excuse no, me. no, no. You're uh, so as a school teacher, are you noticing yes. that there's a rise in this anxiety oh, in the classroom? Goodness, yes. Right. A <laughs> hundredfold. Kids who just used to be able to get over things 
like, you know, rub it with a brick, you know, that kind of toughen up thing. Kids don't have that toughness anymore. And I've been teaching for 20 years. And um, you just see kids are so stressed about this performance of comparing themselves to others. And I actually think it's linked back to this constant validation on Snapchat, how many days you have a feed for, or Facebook, how many likes you get on a photo. Like, I think it's really starting. And because the kids, as soon as they wake up, lots of them just grab their phones in the morning and they're on them till right at night. You know, I, I think as parents, we really need to step up and um, be the bad guy. Take the phone off them. Make them leave unhealthy groups that are making them feel bad about themselves. Very good thoughts, Caroline. Thank you so much for your call. Carolyn from Albany in WA. And our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can leave a comment or a question too on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Shauna, next week, about this time, uh, he's in the diary already, uh, and that'll be Brad Huddleston, who is the international author of a book called Digital Cocaine, and and uh, we'll be talking about uh, a digital detox and this idea of separating yourself from your mobile device because undoubtedly, uh, while it's addictive, uh, one of the things that will be coming out of that will be this issue of anxiety, the fears that children have. And really, when we start to define what the fears are, when we hear from Caroline and uh, kids comparing themselves to others, this fear of not fitting in, fear of not being good enough, is this the sort of thing that you find that when you're leading uh, various workshops and groups that parents are actually saying, you know, my kids are really struggling because of that? Yes, well, perfectionism comes into that too, wanting to be the best, wanting to be perfect because social media portrays the wonderful lives that everybody has (laughs) or the opposite. Some people put up everything negative that's happening. But a lot of the time, it's just how wonderful things are. And I did this today and I did that today. So they're not really seeing real life. Uh, Carolyn also mentioned uh, this idea, which is connected to the resilience of children today, saying that children today are not as resilient as we might remember them being. And uh, she's saying there's a connection here between their mobile device because, uh, you know, there's there's a certain sense in which this resilience is less than it's ever been. When you teach your exercises, uh, this is about connecting children to a biblical uh, understanding. And as we know, Understanding Bible stories, Bible quotes, Bible verses, uh, there is something very resilient that comes upon a life when you're actually exposed to those things. Absolutely. So thinking about um, prayer, for example, um, there's lots of verses in the Bible on prayer, but of course Philippians 4, 6 to 8 talks about not worrying about anything, but by, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Praying about anything, these things, brings a peace beyond understanding. Yes, the peace of God, very, very powerful. Sometimes I reflect on the idea that Bible stories themselves, uh, even the violent ones, uh, when we teach our children these stories, resilience is being bred into our children. I'm just thinking of, you know, the first one that comes to mind, of course, David and Goliath, uh, which as an adult, uh, you might actually look at that and say, that's a violent story. 
you know, here's someone uh, killing another person. Uh, and yet we teach that to children and it's uh, the David and Goliath, you know, little me up against the big giant. And uh, we sort of put ourselves into the picture. And in understanding the Bible stories, even though they might have a violence level attached to them, these things are breeding resilience into our children. Absolutely. When I remember hearing that story in Sunday school and didn't think anything of it about it really being violent or anything. Um, but it's interesting you say that because I'm very conscious now because I um, help run a play group at our church and we want to bring in more Bible stories, but it's like, what are these? Because they're not, most of them aren't uh, Christians that come, um, which is great. Um, but how am I going to? put across these stories because a lot of them will say, I don't want my child to hear about that, you know, because as you're saying, the resilience isn't there anymore. Now, admittedly, these kids are little, so they might be, you know, two and three-year-olds might be a bit little, I guess. But just on the surface, that's what I've been thinking. I mean, we taught our children this from a young age, so... so Uh, Yeah, well, exposure to violence, and that might be a whole other big topic to talk about, Uh, But this idea of exposure to violence, some parents take a reactionary position to that and uh, they are so protective of their children uh, that they won't allow them to be exposed to anything. You know, there's an accident over there or someone had this bad thing happen in their family. They don't tell their children, Uh, keeping those things from their children in the sense of trying to protect them, uh, put them in cotton wool, that's actually a a dangerous thing too, I imagine. Absolutely detrimental. And that doesn't mean you expose your four-year-old to um, violence or, you know, really grotesque situations as such with a lot of blood and stuff like that. But, I mean, age appropriateness is a wonderful thing for building their resilience. And I imagine that if you recognise that there is anxiety in your child because of a certain situation, something that's happened in the family or to a school friend and their family, that as a parent you need to be truthful in being able to uh, to help your child understand what's going on because keeping them in the dark doesn't help. Absolutely. And there's there's quite a lot of books out there that I've seen over the years on, say, the death of someone in, in their friend's family, for example. There's books about those things that they can appropriately talk to them about it if they're not sure themselves. Shauna, before we move on and uh, do some uh, breathing exercises, let's take another call or two because uh, we don't want to leave the listeners dangling if they have a scenario they'd like to share. Let's first of all hear from Sue in Esperance in WA. Hello, Sue. Welcome along. Oh, good morning. And I'm just so thrilled to see um, Shauna up there just doing it. Um, uh, I'm an ex-physetter. Uh, um, I'm nearly 70 now, so I'm not physetting very well. Okay. Um, but I quite agree, Shauna. Um, breathing is the essence of it all. I used to run a program in um, Victoria when I was in Victoria um, teaching uh, called Get Fit While You Sit. And it's inside a classroom sitting at their desk. And uh, it was principally to help them get rid of all the the playground rubbish that they go through. Uh, and in this case, and in this age, I guess it's to get them out of the um, uh, the, the phone, uh, the mobile phone. But it was an excellent program and the kids loved doing it and it got them very much concentrated on what they were doing for the next uh, program ahead, the, whatever the subject was ahead. And, um, you know, uh, anxiety has always been with us. 
We know that. Um, but, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the joy of the Lord will be my strength this day. Fabulous things that guide us in that. Just to pick up on something that uh, Sue's sharing here, and uh, get your response in general to Sue, but uh, when Sue is saying, when kids have come in from the playground, there's this sort of get fit at your desk idea. And what she seems to be explaining is that uh, an adjustment uh, to put those things into a right uh, context and uh, you're back into the classroom, perhaps uh, different from being in the playground. But this idea of adjusting the context and understanding where you are uh, is an important element. What are your thoughts for Sue? Firstly, Sue, I think you were way ahead of your time doing that when you were teaching. That's wonderful. Um, yes, yeah, so a lot of the schools are doing that type of thing now, um, public schools as well as Christian schools, where at the start of the day or after lunch breaks they're um, – doing this to calm the children down. And one of the big reasons for that is when we're worked up with our emotions, even if it's not negative emotions, but we're excited and from running around at lunchtime or maybe it's from anxiety or upset because we've been you know, pushed over in the playground, when your emotional centre of your brain, your limbic system is, I'll say, on fire, you know, more not normal emotions, so it's excited, the prefrontal cortex part of your brain where you do your thinking your learning and problem-solving, decision-making, there's some disengagement when your limbic system or emotional centre takes over. So the children can't learn very well if they're in that state. Even if they're excited, they can't learn as well as if they're calmed down. Okay, well, thank you so much to Sue from Esperance. Great insight to be able to offer. Let's take another call. Diane is on the line from Adelaide. Hello, Diane. Welcome. Oh, welcome. Uh, hello, how are you? I'm well, Diane, and uh, what are your thoughts for our conversation? Yes, well, I, I, I believe breathing is a, a very big part of life. Um, I've been having a lot of trouble with my breathing since I, I moved into a, a unit and only had one door and I couldn't get enough breath. This instant like the air was flowing through. And so I was called off. I went off to hospital quite a few times. Diane, um, you're probably talking here about uh, sort of a, a. You're talking a physical issue here with your breathing. So yes. is there a connection? Uh, there's an old saying, isn't there? Uh, when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. Uh, you're going to feel anxious if you can't breathe. Uh, there's a certain sense in which anxiety clearly is a part of that when anyone is without breath. But uh, you're talking more about a physical issue, a condition you're suffering? Yes, but it has caused so much anxiety that they've stuck me in many hospitals now. Now I live in hospitals. <sighs> When things go out of control, when things spiral out of control so badly, uh, you are going to be faced with anxiety whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. What are your thoughts here, Shauna, for someone like Diane? Yes, Diane, I'm sorry to hear that you're having those problems at the moment. Um, the thing with um, breathing difficulties, whether from a physical reason or an um, emotional reason, and often combined then, as Neil said, um, is just to really take control of your breath and take deep, slow breaths rather than letting it get away from you and, and speed up. 
Okay, thank you so much to Diane in Adelaide. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you'd like to join in our conversation, let's do some breathing exercises here because if we're talking about uh, calming down. Uh, which I guess is the opposite to feeling anxious, is feeling calm. And that's the point where you can think more clearly or whether you can uh, help your child to work through the issues of their worry. How do you go about these breathing exercises, Shauna? One thing I want to point out is that breathing is so important. And But with anxiety, some people think it's all about they've just got to trust God more. God's given us a physical body to work with as well, and so we need to use that to help calm ourselves down. So to do that with the deep breathing, we need to make sure we're breathing into our tummy area, not just into the chest. When I was young, we used to get taught to breathe, you know, take a deep breath, but expand your chest. Mm. No, what we want to do is expand your tummy. So the best way to work out whether you're doing it correctly or not is to lie on your back, and this is for adults and children alike and teens, any age group. Put your hands on your tummy um, with your fingers, your middle fingers touching over your navel, over your belly button. We're doing this in the studio. Yeah. I'm not lying down, though. <laughs> no, we can't. You can do it sitting up, but it's much more obvious if you're lying down. Okay. And then as you take a deep breath in, if you're breathing into your belly properly, your fingers will part a bit as you breathe in and your tummy expands. So take a deep, the deeper the breath, the further your fingers will part. And as you empty your lungs, the fingers should start to come back together. If you're only chest breathing, your fingers won't move much at all on your tummy. Okay. Now, the uh, practical idea of what is happening in the child's mind when they're feeling the expansion and the contraction because of their breathing, how is that actually helping the child to become calm? Well, the oxygen, they're getting more oxygen because um, when you breathe into your tummy, your diaphragm flattens and that allows more oxygen into your lungs and it's the lower part of your lungs that you absorb more oxygen. Uh, what do you say, Shauna, for some people who say, oh, this breathing, it sounds like some sort of an Eastern meditation exercise. Uh, should Christians be doing that? Uh, can't we just quote a Bible verse or two and everything will be fine? Uh, note that you said, well, uh, actually, because of this physical uh, anxiety that we're suffering, we have to bring that under control as well. What are your thoughts for people who uh, wonder about the, you know, these sorts of techniques and whether they ought to be used? Yep. I think there is certainly boundaries to be had with it. Sometimes um, we can cross the line with that as Christians, but generally speaking, we are physical beings just as much as we are spiritual beings as such. And, you know, if you have to fi- fix up anything else in your body, you will change your eating habits or you'll exercise or, you know, just any of those things, we will. If you've got diabetes, you'll have to change your, your nutrition and your exercise, and perhaps take medication. Well, what's the difference with your brain? Your brain is another organ, just like your pancreas. And when you're actually taking children through these exercises, and in your book, uh, take a big breath. You're connecting in here a spirituality, which is a Christian spirituality. And what you're doing is doing that through introducing children with particular biblical verses, passages that allude to this idea that worry is something that we're commanded not to have. I mean, we can pick up on verses uh, Uh, that Jesus says, you know, don't worry about these things uh, or cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. There's lots of biblical wisdom about worry and uh, worry even being a lack of faith. So when you are actually connecting these biblical verses to breathing exercises, to becoming calm, there's real wisdom in that. 
Absolutely. So each exercise starts with the breathing component and ends with the breathing component, but the guided imagery in the middle is based on scripture. So, for example, um, in Colossians, we hear about uh, we're told to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness. Now, compassion and kindness has been proven scientifically to help increase our neurotransmitters, so our happy chemicals that helps lowers, lower our stress levels. So, you know, there's so many verses in the Bible that correlate with the scientific research on this, and it's just amazing, isn't it, how God knew these things before the research. Uh, what sort of <laughs> verses have you got included in some of these exercise activities that you've got? Uh, just take us through perhaps uh, one or two that people might be familiar with. Um, well, being thankful, for example. So there's all this talk about gratitude, gratitude journaling and all this to help us feel better. Well, obviously, um, God has told us this too. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He's not telling us to give thanks for no reason. It must be good for us to do that. Sometimes it sounds a little sentimental, doesn't it, when someone says, uh, I'll just remember that verse out of uh, Colossians, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And uh, we can almost say that in a throwaway fashion, uh, you know, the peace of God and uh, the peace of God that comes upon you and uh, peace beyond our understanding. But this peace of God is a powerful uh, provision from God that he gives in order that we might be able to handle the circumstances we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Memory verses from when I was a child at Sunday school were amazingly powerful. They come back to me now. And if you, you know, just want some peace, what do we do? We go and read his word. We remember the scripture we've learned. And scripture's telling us lots of things that we should do for our thoughts and our emotions. And sometimes we think our children, if they go to a Christian school, that's where they're learning those verses. Uh, but as parents, we need to be able to take responsibility for our children, even having a memory verse and uh, becoming familiar with those sorts of passages. So that resilience comes when they've learned those things, perhaps when they haven't been facing a crisis, but when that time of scary danger comes along, that those things will be a part of who they are. Absolutely, and I think... When I hear that type of um, point of missionaries that are, you know, imprisoned and they're not allowed to have a Bible, and what do they have? The memorized scripture that they have, and that keeps them at peace. And so using scripture to build resilience into our children, and uh, some people might say, oh, you could use any old quote. Uh, you can find some great quotes from famous people from down through the centuries, but uh, there's nothing that compares to the powerful nature of teaching our children scriptures to be able to breed, breed that uh, that resilience into their hearts. There's some lovely quotes from through the ages of course there are and you know technically they're not they're not wrong or either but yeah as you say what power comes from God's word. God's word is quick and powerful. Let's talk about stress for a few moments because stress is something that not only children face, but we adults have stresses as well. Stress can be good and stress can be bad. Sometimes you might be thinking, I need to calm down from this stressful situation. But in actual fact, this might be something that's very good for us in this time. Oh, yes. Stress in and of itself isn't bad. Stress, when it engages change, or it motivates you to do something, then that's a good thing. If we didn't have some stress in life, we wouldn't get anything done. I mean, my assignments would never have got done if there wasn't a due date, and that's a stress. You wouldn't turn up at your doctor's appointments at 
nine o'clock if they weren't given you that time. If it was any time you want to rock up, you rock up, well, there'd be no stress and you wouldn't get there. Uh, Shauna, let's come back to some more practical issues here for parents. Uh, Another sort of scenario we might introduce here is when our children don't want to participate in sporting activities. Uh, That's become fairly common because uh, children, they have this opportunity to sit out if they don't want to do it. If they don't want to do it, they just say, I don't want to do that. But uh, perhaps when you and I were at school, we were encouraged or even forced to participate in those activities. And there was a certain resilience that was born in that. How do you speak to parents who've got children who are just sort of withdrawing, isolated, uh, cotton-wooled, off to the side, not wanting to do anything that might be stretching them in any way? If children, well, if any of us don't experience new things in life, we don't grow. We need to experience new things. We need to see that wasn't as bad as I thought. I I overcame that fear around, you know, playing soccer or something like that. That was a bit bit scary at first. That's building resilience, but it's also building self-esteem. I coped in an adverse situation or something I didn't like the idea of, and I actually might have enjoyed it. And so you've got uh, parents who send their children to school, you send them off to sporting clubs, uh, you send them off to do dance, uh, gymnastics, uh, all sorts of new experiences. And this is something, I guess, as parents, we all want to do. Sometimes we're held back because of financial uh, or uh, there's none, none of those activities happening in the area where we live. But we need to be able to look for activities like that that actually stretch our children and uh, put them into situations where they need to resolve issues, resolving conflict. All of these things are sort of normal, aren't they? Absolutely. And team sport is brilliant for that. They're not going to necessarily get their way all the time, get the position that they want to play or score the goals they thought they might score or or such. Uh, What do you say to this idea of overprotective parents? Because if we're talking about isolating kids, not allowing them to actually experience uh, natural, normal levels of anxiety. I mean, I even think of uh, in some more probably mainly city areas uh, where parents... They drive their children to school and they pick them up in the afternoon. When I was at school, uh, I had to walk to school or ride my bicycle and there were dangers along the way. Dogs that would bite, uh, bullies that would, uh, you know, confront you, all sorts of things that, uh, that are challenging. Of course, there are some very serious things and some parents uh, need to be a little bit cautious about that. But the idea of not letting our children too far away because we're so protective of them. I think... Once again, age appropriateness comes in there as well. And if you don't want to do it with the school drop-off, for example, find places and times that you can start to stretch yourself a little bit as well and overcome your anxiety because often the parents who are um, smothering their children or cotton-balling their children have the anxiety themselves. So they need to release little bits at a time to expose both of, both of you to that. Uh, come back to sporting for a few moments because if our children join a sporting club, might be a soccer club, could be playing hockey, could be playing football, uh, they get exposed to a coach and the coach is not always as nice and uh, pleasant as you might try to be uh, with your child. Uh, sometimes they're calling the shots uh, from the sideline and uh, putting pressure on your children. This is a good thing, no doubt. Yes, I mean, obviously we don't want coaches being really um, horrible to children, but children need to know that they're not going to get their way all the time or they're not going to be cotton-balled as such. Like saying no to your child is a good thing because a coach is going to say no or when they get their first job at Maccas at 14, the boss will tell them no. (laughs) 
I wanted to ask you about uh, really serious things. Uh, when we, we mentioned a little earlier, you know, when uh, children are confronted with perhaps a relative who dies, uh, but they're watching the news and they're seeing scenes of war uh, or there's been a terror attack somewhere and children can take their time to process those things. Some process them uh, more easily than others. As a parent, how do you help your children to navigate some of those circumstances when they're feeling anxious because they think that everything is going bad outside their front door? Um, I think the best way is just to talk about life. Be honest in age-appropriate ways. Um, you can shield them to a certain degree, for, you know, those really early years, but, I mean, they have to be it's no good getting to high school and never having seen any adverse event on the news, for example. Okay, let's come back to your book. It's uh, You've got on the front of your book, uh, it's for ages three to seven. As I understand it, you've got some more resources that are coming out soon for different ages. But this particular book, Take a Big Breath, it's appropriate for perhaps all primary school age. Yes, I wrote it initially as three to seven years of age um, suitability. But as it's been used by people, they've older kids than older than seven, like primary age, have all found it beneficial. And so you've got breathing, uh, calming. Is there other exercises in there? What sort of things that we uh, we might look at, uh, some particular things that parents might use? So in this book, I've done, it's 20 relaxation exercises all done through a, a guided imagery um, method with the breathing at the beginning and the end and the imagery in the middle through scripture. Um, actually, the first 18 are that. The last two are just um, like a body scan. I've deliberately put two in there that didn't have Christian context uh, because if chaplains wanted to use this in a public school setting, they're not allowed to use the Christian context in a lot of cases. So they've at least got something to calm down a child that comes to them upset and needs calming. And teachers find themselves in that circumstance. Uh, sometimes they're having professional development to help them deal with those things. But parents don't always have that opportunity. And so when you have access to a resource like this, uh, it's actually equipping you as a parent to be able to deal with those circumstances in your home. And I imagine that sharing these ideas around in the groups that you might be a part of, uh, parents who share similar concerns, it's going to be something that helps parents to be able to get on top of the issues before they might even get out of hand. Absolutely. It's teaching kids life strategies, being able to manage their emotions themselves, which is so important. Okay, there's a Facebook uh, comment or two. Let me just read through some of these. Mike from Tasmania who says, Surely mental health issues are as much spiritual, soul genetics, as well as bio-DNA. C.S. Lewis said, We are not bodies with a soul. We are souls with a body. We're primarily spirit beings temporarily in this body. Uh, just hold on to there for a moment. Uh, Steve says, is anxiety in children sometimes a parent-manufactured problem, sometimes covering up for poor parenting skills? Uh, for example, sometimes kids will throw a tantrum and instead of dealing with this bad behaviour, some parents are having kids tested for mental disorders that in the past we've never heard of. Uh, just, uh, just to bring those in here because we're short of time, but uh, any wisdom in those comments? There's definitely um, some avoidance of parental duties going on, but I think in the main, I mean, look at a child throwing a tantrum. You don't see adults throwing a tantrum with anxiety, but some children, if they're throwing a tantrum, it might be 
because they don't know how to express their emotions yet. I mean, a three or four year old doesn't know what, what to say about what's going on for them. It just feels horrible because anxiety feels horrible. Takes us back to some of the early things we were saying about how you actually identify uh, whether your child is going through issues of anxiety and whether it's that anxiety that pushes them to a level where they need some extra special attention. Let me draw attention to the book we've been talking about for parents, perhaps of primary age children, and uh, Shauna's book is called Take a Big Breath. Teaching Your Child Practical Strategies to Help in Times of Stress. And uh, I'll give the website. It's shaunagallagherauthor.com. Gallagher spelled G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R. Thanks, Neil. And soon in the next couple of months, I'll be having my audio books come out for the teens and adults as well along the same lines. Okay, so looking for extra resources, uh, look for a link on Shauna's website for those resources for older children. ShaunaGallagherAuthor.com. Shauna, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been my pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.